Well, thank you so much, Pastor Steve and the leadership and everybody here. It's an absolute privilege for me to be with you. And uh, yeah, this feels like home. I mean, yo, best cappuccino in the country. Amen. <laughs> um, so good to be with you all. Thank you so much for um, coming. Uh, the Bible says, redeem the time for the days are evil. We must, Afrikaans say, koop die tijd uit. Um, it's so important that we use every minute for God's kingdom in this nation. There's an acceleration and a, like the sons of Issachar, we are sensing the moment. This is God's moment in this nation. Even though around us the walls seem to be crumbling, we know that God is, is, is getting his builders together, his kingdom nation builders. And that's what excites me, that it's what's exciting John uh, Dr. Pearl, Coupe, Zane, and all the leaders, and everyone part of Time to Rise. We are so excited, and it's not about making a name or Time to Rise. It's about the rising of God's people. Amen? It's time. It's time. We cannot delay God's people, and I'm so glad, Pastor Steve, you emphasize, um, yes, every church, every, uh, you know, community, uh, there's a mandate, but there's also something of a national call even a continental call, um, because Africa needs to be saved. Africa needs to come alive. God has a redemptive purpose for this continent, and uh, we are sensing that. And as God's people arise, we start taking ownership. We start inheriting this land uh, for God's purpose. And uh, the beauty is now the diversity of the body of Christ can have its uh, salt and light effect as it should. Amen? Amen. So uh, I'm just going to pray for us and then we'll dig into the word. Thank you. Father, we honor you this morning. We are privileged, Lord, to be in the presence of our King. Thank you, Lord, that your joy, your laughter, your, your heart of goodness is being poured out on us this morning. And Father, I pray for this word as we shared, Lord, let our hearts be stirred. And Lord, we want to turn our ears to you and hear your voice, Lord. Not the voice of a man, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Lord Jesus, thank you that we know we can stand in faith because you are the hope of this nation. You are the Savior of South Africa. And our eyes are fixed on you, Lord. Our hope is set on you. Not on people, but on the living God because you have a plan and a destiny for the nation, but also for our lives, Lord. Each one of us fits into this picture. And to, uh, this morning, I pray that you will show this more clearly as we uh, minister together and just share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, before I um, share the scripture, I just want to mention I've got some books that I've brought with me. Um, the Inclusive Economy. This is a Joseph plan, I believe, to save Africa. God has um, led me to do a lot of research. I'm an economist by trade. I don't know if some of you might not know it, but... Um, a kingdom economist, uh, <laughs> importantly, uh, because uh, the economy belongs to God. The resources belongs to God. Amen? He's given us the power and the ability to steward those resources. And that's actually the function of any government, to steward the resources of a nation. Um, but we need to have God's wisdom. And I believe with this proper economic research, uh, with a kingdom mindset, um, you know, um, I think this will unlock the potential that's lying in Africa. Uh, because there's a lot of economic models, 
and it's not working in Africa. And I believe through this, what God has showed me, this is the model because African people have a collectivistic mindset, which is actually kingdom. I can't sleep if my neighbor is hungry. Amen? It's kingdom. It's a caring economy. How do we implement that in a market-based system? But with kingdom principles. Amen? So this is part of the blueprints God is releasing across the nation. As we speak, there's a legal team working on a godly constitution for South Africa. This is the economic plan. There's a godly constitution. We need to get abortion out of South Africa. Amen? We need to align our constitution with biblical values. In fact, the Bible, the word of God is the constitution. Amen? This is, when, when this nation is aligned with God's word, you will see transformation immediately. South Africa will come alive for Jesus. And he will be glorified in this nation. And the same with our education system. The same with, you know, every area, our communities. Um, if we align it with God's principles, it will unlock God's uh, redemptive gifts, the redemptive purpose of each city, each community, and the nation as a whole. So uh, I'm going to share with you this morning, um, uh, if you have your Bibles here, please uh, turn with me to um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, early this morning, the Lord stirred this word in my heart uh, while I was praying and said, Lord, um, what is your heart this morning? And I, it's always so important for me to not just bring a message, but it must be what the Lord is really laying on the hearts of his people and, you know, sharing his word. And uh, many of you will hear, um, you know, from this even different messages as the Lord speak to you. Uh, but let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Um, before I read this, just want to emphasize something. Jesus, um, and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we've been traveling around the country with time to rise, and, you know, there's an awakening of God's people, and there's a sense of purpose kicking in. And that's very important because we need to take ownership of our country. Amen? Ownership of our land. doesn't mean we dominate and control. It means we serve. We lead servant leadership. We give guidance, direction serving hearts, humility, but it needs to be strong leadership. Amen? But the key to that, the key to the ability to lead the nation as God's people is unity. God's people need to be united. And this is one of the key things that we as time to rise, um, and I say we as time to rise, all of us, um, know needs to be happening in South Africa. The enemy has too long been dividing the church with racial issues, with doctrinal issues, through, um, you know, so many things, because that's how he keeps us trapped, through division. You all know the old classic strategy of the enemy, divide and conquer. Amen? So we as the body of Christ are coming to that point as God reveals a national vision, a vision to rebuild. Typical of Nehemiah, you know. Rebuilding the walls. When they united within a record time, 52 days, it was rebuilt. Amen? You see the power of unity. There's a power there. Um, scientists call it, there's a synergy, even in nature. The unity there, there's a symbiosis, a, a synergy. You know, synergy is, um, you know, when, the, when um, the, the aggregate, the total number is more than the sum of the parts. In other words, there's a team dynamic through unity, that is stronger than just each one individually. Amen? God wants to release that. That's, that's his plan. That's his heart. 
And that's why Jesus said, go and pray on wait on the Holy Spirit. Out of that unity, God birthed something that changed the nations of the world. Amen? So, so unity is absolutely on God's heart. Unity of His people. Jesus prayed this in John 17. Um, just to emphasize that, uh, John 17 verse 21, Jesus said, Father, let them be one as we are one, so that the world can believe that you've sent me. So the unity of the church is not just about it's nice to be united. It is out of the unity that a message goes out to the world. There's something strong. It's like a fragrance coming out when we unite. The fragrance of God for the nation. Amen? And it speaks to the world. The world notices when Christians are standing together. Amen? And it's a threat to the world system. Let me tell you, it's a threat. Um, if those that are in political power, that's the one thing they don't want when Christians stand together. Amen? And if we start building that unity, what does that mean? We're going to see it now this morning. Um, out of that unity, God's going to birth something very special in this nation, in the continent. So, because where there's unity, the Lord commands a blessing. Amen? There's a favor of God and something, I mean, you are, uh, nothing is born without unity, if you hear what I'm saying. Unity is needed for anything to be birthed. Even um, when creation, when the, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, um, the Spirit and the Word came together and life was birthed. When God spoke over the earth, amen, new life were created as the Holy Spirit and the, the Word came together. So, um, uh, Hebrews, uh, sorry, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I want to read from, um, from verse 4. Uh, there's two portions here I really want to emphasize. And it's uh, Paul writing, speaking about the unity, the spiritual unity of believers, and really emphasizing unity in diversity. This is what it really is about. Uh, but let's have a look. Uh, verse 4, he says, um, there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. Okay? Just, just a moment there. Why does he say diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit? Um, with other words, it's the same influence creating or, or expressing those gifts. Amen? And the influence is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Those who are indwelled, those who have received Christ as the, as the Holy Spirit. Um, so the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So again, diversity, ministries, the same Lord meaning under the same authority. And that authority is Jesus Christ. Amen? So it's actually portraying the unity of the, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then, um, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. In other words, the Father, who is the creator of all these different um, um, skills, abilities, gifts, and the giver. Um, and then verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, importantly. So your gift is never just for yourself. That's why you need to share your gift, express your gift, always. That's the nature of God. Even if you have finances, it's never just for yourself. It's for you to share, to steward wisely. Amen. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, 
to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing um, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, dis, uh, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So God's heart, I mean from creation, um, it is to create a variety in the whole of creation. But that variety uh, is towards a same purpose. You know, always giving life and more life. Now in a spiritual context, all these gifts are to give life to the body of Christ. Amen? To give life to our gatherings. Um, I'm so glad when you shared that word, you know, the prophetic word, the gifts of the, of the body of Christ. This is what church is all about. Church is not defined by we are this name or this building and this is where we are. Church is defined by, what, how, how, uh, by its expression, by the gifts that are being flowing. It's like a flower. Uh, you know the flower by the fragrance. You know by how it expresses its leaves and its, you know, different uh, components. A tree is known by its fruit. Amen? So it's the expression of the body of Christ. But the world tried to separate. Systems try to separate the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, the devil is, is, is happy when you speak about Jesus. That's, just don't speak about the power of Jesus. Amen? That's where... Um, if you if you if you pray somewhere, I remember when Chief Justice Mukwing went on his knees in Parliament and he prayed. You remember that, Amen. The world had a massive issue with it. Okay, they don't want this fragrance, this influence, the power of the Holy Spirit working. You can say you're a Christian, but just don't operate in the power. The power is the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit expresses itself through the different gifts. In the body of Christ. Amen. That's why Paul says, you know, pursue it with all that's in you. Because the gifts raise up the builders. Because you rebuild with the gifts that you have. You remember when they rebuilt the walls, on the one hand they had a building instrument, the other hand a weapon. Okay, to defend themselves. The building instrument is your unique gift. The way you build. The way you are capacitated. Um, and, and, and as it says there, it's given by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we need to realize that it's the manifold wisdom, the manifold ability of the body of Christ that, um, through which we can build, rebuild. So it's not about rebuilding just for the sake of rebuilding. It's an expression of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that's been put in you. And then also we need to be able to put that in a practical sense. If, my, if I have a gift of prophecy, I can rebuild through prophecy, but that also means um, doing prophetic actions in my community. Amen? To rebuild the walls. You know, using, using gifts of the Holy Spirit to address the needs in my community. Come on. The Lord is not restricted uh, by just everything being spiritual. Spiritual must always have a practical implication. If I go to the streets and I heal people, uh, pray for people and they get healed on the street, let me tell you quickly, more people will come and they will want to know what's happening here. Amen? So, yes, it's for the edifying of the body of Christ when we are together, ministering to one another. But it's not meant to be just contained within the walls. Amen? The world is happy when it's just contained here. Uh, but God's sending His people. That's why Jesus sent them out two by two. 
By the way, that two by two is why we've got two in the time to rise. We, we rise together. Amen? It's not a one-man show. It's two, two by two. Always a Joshua and a Caleb, a David and a Jonathan. Uh, Jesus sent them out two by two. It's together. So it's always the unity in the body of Christ. But unity in this diversity. Diversity implies very often you need to have grace because another part of the body functions differently than you. Amen? They think differently. They approach it differently. You know? So that's why we learn to lay down the flesh so that we can operate through the Holy Spirit. So then it goes on, uh, verse 12, for as the body is one and many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So as we know, we're talking about the body of Christ. Okay? For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Then just jumping to verse 20, but now uh, indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head uh, to the feet say, I have no need of you. No, uh, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable uh, parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no chism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Symptom of unity. Now you are the body of Christ and the members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Um, are, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do you all have healings? Do you all speak with tongues? Do you all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. The Bible says Daniel had an excellent spirit. Why? He was an administrator. Administrator. It's one of the gifts. You know that. Administrator. A governor. Somebody that governs, that administers. Amen? It's part of the gifts. He had an excellent spirit. So when the gifts start flowing, when the gifts are operating in any context of, of, of believers gathering or out there as we minister to the world. It is God's excellence being restored. God's standards being raised. Amen? And it is the body ministering to one another. So then it comes alive. Then the whole body functions. If there are certain parts in your body that you never use, you're going to lose it. You know that. Medically it's proven. You have to use something in order to make sure that it's effective. In the same way, the, the body of Christ as in the corporate sense, uh, whether it's a congregation, whether it's the whole body of Christ across the nation, um, we need to be able to move into act action, take action. Um, 
that's the, the determining factor in building the unity. It's very important. Unity is through action. Unity is not something we come in agreement, we all agree on this, and now, you know, we just, you know, that's a form of conformity almost, you know. There is unity in Christ. There's unity in truth. Unity in God's word. Amen? But that always leads to action. The action is what expresses that unity. And God is now, he's stirring his people in this direction more and more. Go and express the unity. And as you express it, as you rebuild the walls, you are being united more and more. Amen? Now, remember, there's another form of unity that is not God's will. Um, you will remember the Tower of Babel. Okay? Um, they were making a name for themselves. But the Bible says something very interesting. It was the first time that they started to make bricks. Now, you might think, okay, so what about that? If you think of a brick, it has a mold. To bolt with stones is much more difficult because each stone is unique. You need to fit it in in a unique place. If you bolt with bricks, it means it's cookie-cutting approach. You have molds, everybody the same. You, You get what I'm getting to. The world has a way to conform us. The world has a way to create cookie cutter. It's the same thing. To um, Now, they say, yes, let's have diversity. You know, um, uh, rainbow colors, uh, you know, and all kinds of parades and things happening. Okay? But it's a lie by the enemy because that diversity leads to conformity. Because if you can't, don't agree with it, suddenly you're doing hate speech. Come on. Can you see how the enemy is always putting people in a box, in a, in a, in a mold? And that's why God said, uh, we need to, um, um, you know, disperse this. We need to put it into this. But listen, God said something there. If we allow this, nothing will be impossible for them. Which is very interesting. Now, if you can be, if that is the case while you are, you know, operating in the flesh or against God and serving your own interests like they did there. Imagine how it is possible, what is possible when there is a godly unity. Amen? If in the world that would be possible, how much more when it's led by the Holy Spirit? Amen? And that's the thing. And this is actually the two forces at work currently in the world. On the one hand, there's an intensification of conformation. The world suppressing itself, certain laws being introduced, uh, influences in our schools, um, certain things which become politically correct and incorrect. You know, you know, even in China, they've got what they call a social scoring system, where they've got cameras everywhere, and they monitor everything, your social media posts, everything. And if you don't agree with the government, your social score drops. Even to the extent that you can't apply for a loan, you can't apply for a plane ticket, and the more you then agree with government, then your score increases. It's a form of manipulation, conforming society. It's social engineering at its best. And even if your score keeps low, they, they take you to training centers and brainwash you, literally. That's the communist ideology. That's the socialist. 
just because they are economically successful now gives them that voice and that influence. You know, in Australia, in I think the city of Darwin, they're already starting to implement some of it. They put up cameras everywhere because you need to capture the data. Now that you've artificial intelligence, you can actually track this. And everybody's, you know, what, what you're saying. I mean, have you ever experienced this thing? You talk to your friend about a topic, and then suddenly you start seeing adverts about that popping up, you know? So your phone might be a listening device. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to make you paranoid. But what I want to tell you is this world has an agenda. This system is being, the moment we're moving towards a cashless society, central bank digital currency, CBDCs, then you'll see how that system kicks in. Already religions are playing together. A one world religious system. And the thing, the problem is, it's focused on religious equality, which we as Christians can never agree with. I mean, we can allow religious freedom. In other words, every person must have the right to have the right to decide. Jesus also did it. He didn't enforce him on people. But we can't agree with religious equality. Because that means Jesus is not the only way. The, the life and the truth. Amen? It means now there's many ways to God. We can never agree to that. Never. Because it takes away the heart of the gospel. Then you have no gospel. Then you have, a, like Paul, who has bewitched you. It's a wrong gospel. The gospel of truth is there's one way, and that is Jesus. So when the church of God stand up, and when we start operating in the, in, the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that unity starts to grow, it is a threat to the world system. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Light and darkness are clashing. Darkness is more and more imposing itself on the world. We're seeing that. I mean, from everywhere. Um, if you go to Europe, Europe is being, um, you know, Muslims are taking over Europe through populating. They have seven, eight children per family. The Europeans have less than one child per family on average. That's the figures. These, these agendas are running. So it means the people of God must rise. But it's not a rising and a unity and the expression of the gifts just from a fear point of view. Just to say, you know, all of these threats, oh my goodness, we need to do something. No, 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 no. No, no. It is God's spirit stirring up his people. The bride is rising. The bride of Christ is taking shape. She's starting to shine. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is getting stronger on God's people. Amen. This is... Um, this is the, the awakening that God is, um, is doing. And it has always been his desire, just to say that. I mean, even when Jesus prayed that prayer, I mean, even before that, God's desire is for his people to be united, even if you look at the nation of Israel, but united in truth, in righteousness, not in worldly ways or serving idols and all kinds of things. Amen? So um, um, God's unity is a unity in diversity. With other words, we honor one another. And this is the thing. It's always building a culture of honor. The unity of the, wor the world is dishonor. With other words, it's a unity based on conformity. Everybody must think the same, dress the same. I mean, go and look at the Chinese. They have thousands of, of children standing on those parades. They're even cutting the boys' and the girls' hairs the same to create that conformity. 
because that rips them off own identity. And they take the identity of the government or what the government imposes on them. That's typically how communism works. And now it's rising up again. But I believe God is awakening his people. So when the Bible says not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, it means that the Holy Spirit empowers his people with, with what? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. What you have is the power of the Holy Spirit expressed through different gifts. And it's important that the body of Christ start moving into that, um, you know, um, uh, mindset of, listen, I'm here to express what God has put in me. Amen? I'm here for the benefit of my community. I'm here for the benefit of my brothers and sisters. Amen? Because we have this private kind of Christianity that I, I just need to be saved. I need to serve Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Amen? God is loosening us from that mindset. Amen. Because that mindset contains us. It keeps us in the box. The world want to keep you in the box. There's, the, there's that conforming effect, the mold. And as long as you are quiet, as long as you are agreeing, not making waves, not stirring anything, um, then you know the world is happy with you. And eventually they will come and close your door and close your church and just so now you can finally keep quiet. Amen? That's the agenda. And they are intensifying. But we are saying, Lord, use us. Because the only counter to this is the body of Christ rising in our diversity. Standing up together. The unity of the body of Christ. Now, if you, if you look at that, um, you go further, even the well-known 1 Corinthians 13, it says now you can do all of these things, all of these wonderful gifts, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. Amen? So love is the greatest gift of all. Amen? That's what Jesus brought us, the essence of what he brought us. So and this is the difference, that through the gifts, we start loving the world. Not participating in what the world participates. We start loving them. Um, someone said, love them until they ask you why. You know? Yeah. Love them. You see, when we are stirred up by the Holy Spirit, it's not just the gifts and we need to be task-orientated and do this and do that. No, 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 no. It's also the love of God that, that compels you to go to the nations. When Jesus looked uh, uh, on the people there, he was moved with, compassion. It was compassion, the love that took him forward. So, and this is the thing that the enemy hates most, the love that are in Christians. Uh, once I saw a, a movie about the Roman Empire, <clears throat> and it was like these two, um, you know, commanders sitting on two horses, and they saw somebody taking care of, of a poor person, um, and it was a Christian. And the one said to the other one, you know what? What you see there will bring this empire to a fall. You know what happened in those times? Um, when Rome, the, Rome really, it was, um, you know, the end of the Roman Empire almost. Um, the, 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 there were lots of, um, you know, sickness and disease uh, um, in Rome especially. And they would put the sick and the, those who are not well on the street in front of the house. Then the Christians would go and gather all those people, pray for them, look after them, um, you know, and care for them. The love that came through 
is what eventually brought an end to the Roman Empire. Amen? So, these are the things. Um, you know, we are called, why do I want to rebuild my city? Because I love my city. I love the people of the city. And it is very important. It's not just about, let's have a purpose. Let's, let's do something. It is the love of God that stirs our hearts to say, let's rebuild. Let me reach out. If you see somebody that's sick, you want to pray for that person. Amen? So, so what compels us, what moves us, what motivates us is the love of God that's in our hearts. So this is why, you know, it can never be just a political thing or just an economic thing or just a, you know, whatever, um, systems. It is Christ's character, the love of God in our hearts that compels us to reach out to people but also to address the problems in our society. If poverty is a problem, it's a systemic issue, then we need to put systems in place to address that. Yes, you can take food packages, but let's get kingdom business guys together and put a sustainable system in place. Amen? Let's empower people. If the youth are falling away, the young people, what are we doing to intervene? How are we actually empowering them as the church, as the body of Christ? These are the things that we need to start looking at. Because, as I said on Friday evening, the, the meaning for church, and Jesus used this word in Matthew 16 for the first time, when he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. The church there is ecclesia. And ecclesia has a twofold meaning. On the one hand, the called out ones. Okay, we must be different than the world. But then also we are a local authority. We are a senate, a parliament, raised up by the Lord. So, we can decide about the hunger in the city. You, you realize that? If God's people decide, listen, let's put uh, systems in place, put an end to hunger, you will start stopping crime. You will activate clean-up uh, initiatives. You will, the moment you do that, investment will come back. You, it's, it's unbelievable when you start understanding the impact that the church can have if we work together. If, we, if the, the body, like Ezekiel 37, the bones link up with one another and we come a standing army, a people with purpose and driven by the love of God in our hearts. And this is what makes us different than the world because the world system wants to suppress that love or twist that love or change it or, you know, turn it into hatred, causing division, all of these things. So we have a choice as the body of Christ. We, are only, we can, on the one hand, allow the world to proceed and create more destruction, or we can intervene. Let me read to you that it is God's will that we intervene. Um, those who have your Bibles with you, I, um, um, it is Isaiah 59. I just felt I need to read this to you. You'll be astonished. Um, Isaiah 59 from verse 14. It says there, justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw there was that there was no one 
and was amazed that no one intervened. He was amazed that no one intervened. You saw the injustice. You see the, what's been happening in the nation. As much as we are witnesses of this, we need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I've been equipped for so many years. I've been um, prepared by the Lord for a time such as this. What can I do to intervene? And not just I, what can we do to intervene? And that's the cry. That's the, 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 the unction of the Holy Spirit as His people are drawing together. Amen? The unity of the body of Christ will be the game changer in South Africa. Let me tell you. And it's not going to be based on doctrinal things. Um, you know, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Stay with that. Amen? Um, when we wait on agreeing on everything, we will never be united. But if we allow the Holy Spirit, exactly what it says, one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, one Lord, Jesus Christ, the authority, one God, the, the Father, working through our hearts and um, you know, having given us all these gifts, if we f if we um, operate with that heart and that mindset, we will change this nation. Amen. We will change this nation. We are the majority in South Africa. We don't have to wait for everyone to come together, for everyone to come in agreement. God always used. He even said to Gideon, "Reduce the numbers. Reduce them. Only three hundred. Why?" Because he works with those who have the same mind, same heart. That's where it starts. Often we think, no, Lord, this is impossible. This is, I mean, this nation is in so much trouble. Things are just getting worse. It's not going to be the numbers that change the situation. It's going to be the unity among those who are like-minded. Those who have been prepared by the Lord. All of us can agree the Lord has prepared us for a time such as this. He has prepared us. Let me tell you, the Lord showed me a picture of the Joshua's and the Caleb's. The Esther's are coming out of the caves. They've been prepared. Um, uh, Isaiah, I think Isaiah 49 says, um, you have kept me in the shadow of your hand like an arrow, you know, in your quiver. That's what, what God's been doing, but he's calling us forward. He's calling us forward to say, you are needed. I need you for a time such as this. And um, for I just, you know, felt to emphasize the fact that it's the diversity of the body of Christ. It's the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit being expressed through the body of Christ that will activate the change out there and among us. Amen? Because we all need encouragement. We all need to be, you know, uh, equipped by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, um, you know, it is for the edifying of the body of Christ. But then when you are edified, when you are discipled, what do you do? You are salt and light out there. You are needed out there. Amen? And that's the mindset that God is. Um, I think the scripture she shared with Romans 12 is absolutely relevant. Because the conformity happens in the mind. The renewing is necessary. To be transformed in our mindsets. We get stuck in old mindsets. That's what's keeping us in old wineskins. And what's preventing us from seeing, there's a new wineskin. God is doing something new. Open your eyes and start embracing that. Amen? This, um, 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 the, the world wants to suppress, wants to 
prescribed to us, wants to create, trap us in a system that we think no change isn't possible. That's the way the world is. Let's accept it. Let's look forward to going home to Jesus. That escape mentality is keeping you trapped in that mold, keeping you trapped in that conformed mindset. Or negativity, saying, no, there's no hope. Come on, practically. Who said, did God say there's no hope? No, absolutely not. How dare you say there's no hope? Amen? Let's speak after God. Let's speak His words over this nation. You see, we, as the body of Christ, can become our worst enemy. The devil is a defeated enemy. Let me tell you. Yes, he is a roaring lion. He is a threat. I'm not saying um, he's not. But it is the lack of the body of Christ to discern God's will, to respond to God's call that is preventing us from being the salt and light that we can be. Individually, we can. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing preventing you from flowing in your gifts and operating by the Holy Spirit. But the real game changer is when we start doing this collectively. So we need to build a new culture, a culture of serving one another. That's a culture of honor, a culture where we love one another, a culture that out of that love, we are compelled to change the world. Amen? That's what drove the disciples. I mean, each one of them laid down their lives for the cause of the kingdom. Amen? Willingly. Joyfully. Amen? Why? Because something, they, they, they were changed. They, they were living in a different reality. It doesn't mean you are ineffective. No, no, no. They had the greatest impact. I mean, um, Jesus planted the seed, but the disciples took it to the nations. Amen? You've got Thomas uh, being killed in India. You know, speared. And you can look at all these stories of the disciples. Their response to Jesus, led to the world being changed. But now we're moving in a, historically to a phase, especially after the, the, you had the 1500s, 1600s, the reformation that took effect, and Christian values being promoted up until the 60s, maybe 70s. But since then, there's been a liberal agenda uprooting Christian values in society. It's been very intentional. Um, in my first book, Enough, I wrote about this. Um, there's a lady called Ellis Bailey. She wrote a book, The Externalization of the Hierarchy. And she's the mother of the New Age, Ellis Bailey. You can Google her. And she wrote a book which was demonically inspired, uh, explaining the social engineering. How do you change a, a society from a Christian foundation to a completely secular foundation? And... The education, you know, what must happen in education, in government. She, she actually said in church, let them only teach. For instance, when you can influence the teaching, then you can shape the minds. No other gifts, you know. It's in that book. I was astonished. Alice Bailey was a missionary in India when she left school, 1890. She got influenced by Hinduism and all the Eastern thinking and then brought all of that over to the West. And then created, was so demonically inspired, created the blueprint to how to get Christianity out of society. So you see the intentionality of the enemy is to get the, the, the Bible, um, the whole idea is that the Bible become outlawed. This is a hate speech document, eventually. 
If those laws are passed, you will not be able to read this book in public, maybe even not in private. That's the agenda. But it's not just about the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God. It's the sword. They're actually disarming us. That's the agenda. So they are trying to put us in a box and the force and the influence are getting stronger. But the good news is, God is raising His people. We are no longer available to do nothing. We are no longer going to bow our knee to the enemy and to this world system. Amen? There's a resistant force. Um, the Holy Spirit is raising up His people to be that force. Not just um, as a counter to evil, but to express God to the nations. Amen? When Africa comes alive, and let me say this to you. If you want to understand the redemptive purpose of Africa, go and read Isaiah 19. Isaiah 19 speaks about how um, it, it uses Egypt as representing. Um, when it's at its last point, the turnaround will come. And it will even realign Egypt or Africa with Israel. It says it there. And then there will be change. Then there will be change. The full potential will be unlocked. Um, so Africa is meant to be a breadbasket to the world. Amen? We are the richest continent in the world, but we are the poorest. We are supposed to be um, a safe haven to God's people from around the world. You agree? That's the redemptive purpose of Africa. So that's exactly why we are feeling the stirring in our spirit. That Lord, unlock the potential of this continent. Africa throughout history has always suffered. The people have suffered. They've been exploited. The resources have been exploited. The people have been exploited. I believe God's grace will come upon this continent. You know, when Jesus needed a safe haven as a baby, he came to Africa. The man who carried the cross with Jesus was a man from Africa. Amen? I honestly believe God's grace will come upon our, our, our continent. Amen? Come on. So when you understand all of these things, the prophetic uh, impulses, uh, the, 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 the need for the body to be more effective, salt and light, the crises that are and the threats that are at the door, um, there's only one option. The church must rise. The church must rise in unity and give expression to what the Holy Spirit has put in us. When the church ministered to one another, ministered to the world, become effective salt and light, it will create the momentum for change. Um, many are spectators in the beginning, but we need the front runners to step forward. Amen? Um, the front runners are needed. The, 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 those who are ready to, to, to respond to God's call. So, um, just to say, so with time to rise, it's really the, the call that's going out. You know, to say, come on. Come on. We know this is the moment. We know that God has prepared us. Let's come together. Let's unite as a people. Now, it's very often, it's difficult to do that when people are all over. So that's why we arranged a meeting in Bloemfontein, and I want to invite all of you there um, in less than two weeks' time, um, an event from 6 to 8 October. Um, I think the pastor will say something, and, or buses will be organized for those who don't have transport. But I want you to experience that unity. There's going to be something birth that weekend. That weekend, this nation will change. There's going to be a shift in the spiritual realm. Amen? And as I said to them on Friday night, um, Bloemfontein is the city, it's the judicial capital, where 
in 2009, Jacob Zuma slaughtered cows in the Free State Stadium and dedicated South Africa to the ancestors. In that same city, we're going to reverse that. We're going to cancel that agreement with the enemy and we're going to dedicate South Africa back to God. Let me tell you, God's people are rising. We are rising with God's heart, not through rebellion or through, you know, um, we want to revolutionize and whatever. It's revival and reformation. Those two, revival and reformation. The spirit of the Lord uh, is stirring our hearts, God's fire burning in our hearts, revival, and then reformation. Let's rebuild. Let's work together. How can we become more effective? So out of that weekend, we're trusting God for His people across the nation. We're building national networks, and this is what Time to Rise does. Get people into functionality. Connect you with parts of the body that, are, um, that have the same calling, similar function. Um, and assisting the churches to be more effective in community. So it's not this thing of an umbrella, okay, lording over anybody. No, no, no. The Bible says, serve one another. So it's more like serving, coming from below, lifting the water level so that all the boats can rise. Amen? So that all the, the, the voice of God's people can, can, can come out and the prophetic voice of the church speak. And if God needs, uh, uh, wants to raise up leaders that will lead South Africa, why not? Huh? Because we need leaders in government, godly leaders. We need a righteous government. Amen? And it needs to come from among God's people. There are those called as godly states, men, states, women. Amen? So let's trust God also for that. But it's not an anti-government initiative. Or not an anti, you know, this party or that party. No, no, no. It is God's people becoming mobilized. Becoming, uh, moving into action. Okay? Becoming effective in terms of how we impact the world. So, so... Be encouraged that around the country, this awakening is taking shape. Uh, I've never seen in my life this kind of a response. Um, honestly, and, and as, as Pastor Steve says, you know, uh, we are visionaries, but we don't see ourselves as a leader. There's only one leader, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body. We respond, all of us, to his uh, instructions. Amen? We are led by the Holy Spirit. So it's not a man-centered thing. We must move away from this, you know, one man shows and this name and that. No, 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 no. You know, a leader must work his way to the back of the queue. You must give chance for everybody to come through so that God can be glorified through the whole body of Christ. The diversity of the body of Christ can be fully expressed. Amen. That's God's heart. And it will be a beautiful, powerful fragrance that will go across the world. There is a beauty in South Africa, especially this country with its diversity of cultures that is symbolizing the diversity of the body of Christ and how God wants to express that to the whole world so that South Africa can be a micro picture of the global picture. Amen? All these cultures, all these diversities, suddenly we are united in Christ. Suddenly we are, have the Holy Spirit that lead all of us. That unity will speak to the nations. And that's the redemptive purpose of South Africa. And when it starts in South Africa, the whole of Africa will come alive. Amen? Amen? Africa is waiting for this. Africa is waiting for this. 
So time to rise is merely an instrument, a vehicle that God is using. It's actually about the rising of God's people. And we rise together in unity, serving one another. Because the unity is the power. And we allow that to speak to the world. And if I say power, we are united by the Holy Spirit's power. Amen? Not man's power and man's plans and so on. So I just want to pray for each one of you. And yeah, as Pastor Steve come forward. Um, so can I maybe just ask you, let's stand together. Um, I just sense, you know, as, as God's people, uh, we are readying ourselves. But this is a huge task. This is an undertaking that no human can do in their own strength. It must be Holy Spirit led, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So where you stand, I want to just pray for you. If you can just close your eyes. Um, and it's, it's really serious because we are trusting God for a miracle in this nation. And we are trusting him to use his people for a time such as this. So as I pray, just speak to the Lord and it's between you and him. Lord, I pray for each person standing here, Lord, that Father, this is the moment where your church, your body starts moving together. Thank you, Lord, that you are revealing your heart to this, for this nation to us. And I pray for each one here, Lord, that we will be empowered by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that each one of us, as we report for duty, Lord, that we say, Lord, use us, use me. Lord, we might not have much, but even the, the, there was a little boy who brought his fish and his bread. You can multiply anything. Anything, Lord, is possible with God. And Father, I pray that you use each of one of us. From this moment, I pray that you will give us new wisdom, new insight, new ideas, new um, um, a desire to be used by God, Lord. New um, flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can... We can be working with you, Lord, and the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit can be expressed through us. Lord, we are saying we are ready. We are available, Lord. And uh, Father, I pray that you will uh, lead each one of us. Father, you um, uh, uh, create the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, even more so in each one of us, so that we are moved by your Spirit, Lord. Father, I pray even for our time with you, Lord, that there will be a deepening in our time with you that we will go deeper into your presence. Because the deeper we go there, the more we have to give to the world. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we will seek your face like never before. Father, we want to pray. Let's pray for South Africa. Father, we pray for this nation. Raise your voice. Let's pray for South Africa. Father, this nation belongs to you. We pray for a divine intervention in South Africa. Father, we pray that this nation will come alive in Christ alone. That your hope, you are the hope of glory, Lord, will be revealed through your people in South Africa. Father, we pray that the works of the enemy will be destroyed in South Africa. Uproot witchcraft, uproot the works of darkness, Lord, so that you can be revealed, so that your name can be glorified. Father, no man will get the glory, only you, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for South Africa, Lord, all the things we are concerned about. Father, turn our hearts into faith. Trusting you, Lord, for the intervention. Moving into action, Lord. Availing ourselves, Lord. Father, we pray for your people around the country that we will move into action. Move into action, Lord. United, Lord. In, in um, 
in obeying our King's command. Father, thank you that through your Holy Spirit, we declare all things are possible. South Africa will be saved in the name of Jesus. Africa will be saved in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your plans, your heart will be revealed in this continent and through this continent to the nations of the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.